0: Flyers win the draw, clear the zone, but Longman gets it back at his own blue line, right side to Pearson, up ice to Henning, he deflected it into the zone, Flyer Islanders racing after the puck, Nystrom interfered with, but no penalty called, Nystrom collides with Daly behind the Flyer net, puck is loose there, cleared over the boards, uh, but not, and comes out to center ice, Pearson stops it there for Henning, Henning comes back to his own blue line, and shoots it up ice for Tonelli. Tinelli comes in over the blue line, on the off wing, comes in front, the shot to nice and yes! 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 Win the, Stanley Cup. the Islanders win the Stanley Cup! The Islanders win the Stanley Cup! And the overtime goal by Bobby Nystrom! Islanders win the Stanley Cup! Bobby Nystrom with a goal from John Cannelly! And the Islanders have won the Stanley Cup! What a finish! What a finish to our hockey season! The Islanders have taken... Seven years, 352 days, 17 hours, and 33 minutes, but they have finally won the Stanley Cup on the death overtime goal. Scored by Bobby Nystrom at 7-11. The Islanders on the ice, hugging each other, with Al Arbor out there hugging every one of his players. The Islanders have won the Stanley Cup.
1: Hello! Welcome back to the Blue Lion Hockey Club, folks. We've got another exciting episode of the Blue Lion Hockey Club. We have episode 100 tonight, Milestone for the Blue Liners. We have all the usual suspects sitting in the house with us tonight. We have our IT guy with us tonight, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete?
2: Hey, how you bombing him?
1: And our producer, Patrick Uncle Larty Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark, the Doctor, Morley.
0: Oh, Lee. Doctor.
1: Yeah. we got a very special guest with the Blue Liners tonight for episode 100. We have the power forward, the man, the guy that was the heart and soul of the Islanders back when they won their four Stanley Cups. We have Park Gillies tonight. What's up, Park?
3: Hello, boys. Yeah, it's a beautiful night here in New York, and uh, sitting on the couch here with my uh, my kitty cats i know a lot of those <laughs> tough guys out there don't think that having having cats is cool but they're uh, they're they're wonderful I mean, plus i have a glass of wine next to me of course you know but, of course. Uh, looking sure. forward to it yeah we're uh, we're having a good time here in new york it's pretty nice sure. weather today
1: i'm glad you got some uh some booze with you these guys are having beers the two so it's all good <laughs> you get out of the house a little bit got some <laughs> quarantine loosening up up there in new york
3: yeah, I played golf this afternoon.
1: Um, nice, go- gorgeous day.
3: Uh, you know, won a couple of shackles from uh, my buddies, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> here we are. How's uh, the golf game? Playing? Yeah, how would you play? Uh, golf game is uh, it's a little tough. My golf course is playing very hard. Rough is a little high because everything's so plush here in the uh, in the spring. But uh, greens are firm. Rough is high, but uh, you know, well enough to. Uh, pay for everything I needed to today. So I get that's all that
2: Was that big yellow thing in the sky called the sun? Is that <laughs> out
3: in New York? Oh my God. Yeah, it was a gorgeous day. Yeah. It's uh weather's been good the last few days. But uh we've had a very windy, chilly spring here in New York, unusual, but uh it's starting to warm up so we're we're looking forward to getting out there with all this social distancing that we have to do, it's kind of the only thing we can do to get outside, you know, this whole thing's been very strange. I got to carry my own bag, which is kind of unpleasant, you know, <laughs> oh God. Just pretty yeah.
2: fast
3: quite a hardship, you know, I mean, uh, but, uh, but I have saved some money, you know, you, we, uh, carry That's the old, old. <laughs> don't do things I've, I've saved, I've saved some money and I've gotten some good exercise, but, uh, I can't wait till we're all back out there doing what we usually do this time of year.
1: Nice. Well, um, the three of us, there's one guy missing tonight, but there's usually four of us. We're all from a town called Canton, New York. Um, so we're New Yorkers from way upstate, the town that St. Lawrence University is is at. So I think you might know somebody oh, that was sure. called up there uh, named Ron Waskey. Do you remember Ron Waskey, the trainer for the Islanders? Oh, well, very well. I
3: mean, Ronnie, uh, when he left here, he went there and he got the, the head trainer job at St. Lawrence. Bill Tory was a Bill graduate Torrey? of St. Lawrence yes, University. Yes, sure. Ronnie. Ronnie left here. I'm not sure what year he left the New York Islanders and went to St. Lawrence. He hasn't been back. I, you know, we kind of missed him, <laughs> but I think he's afraid. I think he's scared to come back here, based on a group of guys that he had to be a trainer for. So, <laughs> um, kept him busy. <laughs> He's like Ronnie. You want to come back to New York? I'm, oh no, chance! I'm coming back down there with you guys.
2: But, he's coming back on. Um, he's coming on the show next uh, next week. I think we'll we'll hook you guys up. Yeah, give us some dirt <laughs> oh,
3: on please. him. Oh, please. Oh well, there's not much dirt on Ronnie. He was he was pretty straight shooter, but uh, um, <laughs> so I would good. love I would love to call in and ask him a question or two. You know, when he comes on next week. But uh, <laughs> Ronnie was a great guy. He was a great trainer he was uh if i if i if i must say he was a little bit ahead of his time he kept us all in pretty good shape which was a uh a pretty good task with the with the crew he had to deal with but uh um pretty sure he's i really do i really do mean that he was uh he was kind of ahead of his time on the on the day to day maintenance of trying to keep us all in good shape so we missed him when he left but uh and uh, we've had a couple of reunions. We've been together since then. But uh yeah, he he sounds like he's doing good. We're friends on Facebook and uh and I, I catch up with him every once in a while.
1: Nice. Yeah, he he fills in at the St. Lawrence uh University Golf Club once in a while. So he's uh we see him there once in a while. He's a good guy. We went to school with his kids and stuff, so we're about the same age as his kids, so we know Ron pretty well. I uh, Okay. Yeah, let's uh let's get into a little bit of your career at the Islanders. I mean you know, you started out pretty young, you know, drafted right to the Islanders and, uh, you know, thrown into the captainship pretty early in your career. You know, I guess one of the things that, you know, what was it like when you became the captain at such a young age? Um, you know, I know you gave it up after a couple years. Um, was there a specific reason that you thought uh, Potvin might have been uh, the guy to be the captain of the Islanders instead of yourself or was it you know, an age thing, or was it just you uh, you'd rather just lead by example on the ice? Well, it, it was. I was kind of, I'd
3: say, thrown into the position. But <laughs> um, Eddie Westfall was the captain uh, back in those days. And I think it was my third season in the league. uh was seventy-five, six, seven, yeah. And uh, a lot of the older guys on the team felt there needed to be a change. And uh, there were two guys that uh, were nominated for captain. Uh, one was myself at 22, 23 years old, and Brian Trache. And we had a blind vote. And uh, I ended up, you know, being the captain at age 23. Uh, the, unfortunate part of, the unfortunate part about the whole thing is that I was, I was very tight with Eddie Westfall at that time. As a matter of fact, he was good to me when I was a rookie. I didn't have a place to stay. I ended up staying at his house for about four months. So he kind of took me under his wing, and I was a little disappointed that the whole thing played out the way it did. But it was out of my control. Um, he was voted out as captain, and it was going to be me or Brian Trace And And, you know, um, I was okay with being the captain. There were a lot of things that I didn't like. One of the things, every time we had a team party, I organized it and it would be, you know, a hundred bucks a guy and uh, next thing you know, I'd pay for the party in advance and have a, t- have a hard time getting a hundred bucks a man, you know, which cost me a lot of money over <laughs> a couple Nothing's of years.
2: Nothing's changed there.
3: <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. No, I wouldn't think so. No, it takes a thousand, two thousand. Uh, <laughs> Yes, now it's 2000 a man instead of 100 bucks a man, right? <laughs> um, and there were a lot of things. You know, I guess the bottom line is, um, you know, I was captain in 78-79 when we lost to Toronto, and then seventy-nine, seventy-eight, seventy-seven, seventy-eight, 78 77-78, and then 78-79 when we lost to the Rangers. And I think that summer, I, I know I called Al Arbor and I said, you know, Al, um, I'm just, I don't know. There's there's something about having the sea that that kind of kind of throwing me off a little bit. Um, holding you back. You know, I, I, it was yeah, I was kind of. I've always been even growing up and when I played junior hockey, you know, I was an assistant captain playing junior back in Regina, and uh, I was always a, a bit of a cut up. You know, I was always playing practical jokes on guys and doing this and that and the other thing, <laughs> and. uh I, I just found that I wasn't I wasn't being myself. I didn't need to be a leader. I mean, we had plenty of leaders. I mean, you got Bobby Nice, you got Brian Tratch, you got you know, guys that, that go out there and play hard every night like, you know, Trotch, Mike Bossy, Dennis Pop, and you know, I mean, you can go down the list, but
2: well, And well, I think probably
3: you yeah, you know, uh, uh back in those days, Brian Tratch and I and, and Mike Bossy were were a pretty dominant force. I I just felt that uh, kind of took away not so much my performance on the ice, but you know my enjoyment off the ice. Like I said, you know, you know, cutting the guys' ends out of their socks and tying their <laughs> pants in knots, and you know, sawing sawing through their hockey sticks. And when they leaned on them, when they get on the ice, they busted in half. You know that kind of stuff. Throwing
4: <laughs> your zipper to um, your pants. Yeah, yeah,
3: you know, sign the zipper, yeah, sign the zipper, which I got caught on that from Buffalo, sounds like, sounds like you heard about that one. Uh, That kind of you know, that kind of shit, you know, that kind of shit really made my day, and uh, and I, I just didn't think I was able to do that as captain, so...
2: It changes things, right? There's added pressure there that, uh, you know, some people like and some people need and and some people just do not need. You know, from what I saw, you know, I was six when I finally got to see you play. But, you know, a player like you, um, I I think no matter what, with a C or without the C, you know, people looked up to you. People wanted to play with you, wanted to play next to you. They would fight for you. Um, and, And the C really didn't mean a fucking thing. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, it didn't. It it didn't. I mean, uh, I I think I played, you know, looser. I mean, one of the other reasons that uh, you know when I was wearing a cig, I mean, Al Arbor used to say to me, you know, he'd be sending me back and forth to the referee, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, now what? You know, I mean, <laughs> I think I'll go, you know, a guy get a tripping penalty, right? And I'll go go over and ask him what the hell that was all about.
2: Well So crazy. I go over the
3: I go I go over to the referee and I say, uh, uh Al wants to know what that was all about and he goes He tripped the guy. I said I said, you know, that's what I thought too, you know. And I go back to Al <laughs> I go back to Al and Al say, What do you say? I said, uh, Al, you're not gonna believe this. But he said the guy tripped him. <laughs> and how and he'd look at me. He kind of looked at me like, "You are such an asshole." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I mean, "What do you want me to say?" It was he blatantly tripped him. He got a two-minute
1: tripping penalty. What do you want to tell? What do you want me to tell you? The
2: I mean, so. get
1: yeah, and with a hundred pins, you're probably the guy that needed to go uh, find out what happened. <laughs>
3: I never, yeah, no, I never got too many penalty minutes in my day. I was, you know, if I got, if I got a two minute penalty for elbowing or slashing some guy or, you know, whatever, I, I kind of felt I deserved it. I went and served my time and, and, you know, got out of there. But, you know, that was the other thing. I, I was not, I was, you know, I was not the kind of guy to running, to go running to management to, you know, complain about what was going on with the team. I was always the kind of guy that if the team was playing shitty and you know getting treated like shit, I was like, you know, boys, the best way to get best way to get around this is we, we yeah, we start playing better. You know, I mean, uh, you know, why why is Al so mad at us? I said because we're playing like shit. So you know, maybe we'll start playing better, and he won't treat us this way. So yeah, it was just I I felt like you know. You know, kind of a a bit of a messenger boy, but I will say, I will say, when we won the cup in '80, and uh, John Ziegler presented the cup to to Dennis Pop, I was about a second after Dennis got the cup, I went over and grabbed it and ran <laughs> ran, ran ran around the ice with it. I said, "Shit, I should have waited a year," you know. But uh, <laughs> um, good Thank stuff, you. Dennis. Dennis was a good captain. Dennis was a very good captain. You know, he had the mentality, the ego, and everything else that went along with it. And, uh, you know, he led, us, he led us very well for, uh, obviously, for a good five, six, seven more years after that.
4: Definitely. Definitely. He's got his jersey up there with you in the rafters. But, Clark, uh, you're such a laid-back you know cool guy like you remind me of jimmy buffett like on all the uh <laughs> videos i watch and um, some of your teammates the way they explain you but on the ice like some of your fights you're just a mean son of a bitch like not not the fights that they do now in the nhl hugging like you guys literally would just <laughs> fucking go at it like until <laughs> until you know someone just couldn't go anymore like when do you turn that switch on like but you go from one to the other.
3: Yeah, you know what I uh, I am a pretty laid back guy. Uh, you're on, to be honest with you. I haven't. I really was when I played too. You know, I used to love you know having a lot of fun in the locker room. Like I said, you know, I was a was hit of the team parties. I uh, <laughs> you know just just kind of just kind of enjoyed myself. I I, I had there were there were two things I wanted to do when when the game started, and that was you know score you know hopefully score the winning goal get a couple of assists you know play a good game play good defense do this do that and the last thing that I wanted to do was you know beat the shit out of somebody <laughs> and you uh, it just happened it happened you know I, there were there were times i always i always you know, somebody says, oh, my God, why did you do this to that guy? Why did you do that? And I said, well, I always I always looked at it as self-defense. If I didn't do it to him, he was going to do it to me. Exactly. So, um, but most of the fights I had, uh, except for a few exceptions, um, I was really just kind of taking care of teammates. Some, you know, some knucklehead in the other team would go out and do something that wasn't called for. And Al would go down the bench, and he didn't—he didn't necessarily have to poke you in the back to know that he was talking to you. And uh, he'd come down and go, you know, that shit can't happen to us, boys. That can't happen to us. Wink, wink. So you kind of—I look at Nystrom and you know, <laughs> you know, Bobby, you're going out before me, and so it was his <laughs> turn, or uh, you know. It was me. Or if anybody did anything to Tracho to or Bossy, I mean I was I kind of flipped out whenever that happened, but and then there were a few exceptions, you know, like uh Eddie Hospital and I think it was like nineteen seventy nine or something like that. I, I can't even remember now, but um Eddie, uh, Eddie who I'd warned for a couple of years playing for the Rangers that I was gonna kick his ass and and uh <laughs> and then it fine yeah, then it finally happened, and uh, I hit him with like four punches, and broke his cheekbone, broke his jaw, knocked out a couple of teeth, and and uh, I never saw him again. So um,
1: <laughs> the cross check stopped.
3: And so there were times like that, you know. But but for the most part, you know, I played I played fourteen years. I think somebody has it logged that I had I don't know fifty five or sixty fights or something like that, which isn't that many when you think about it um, probably
4: half of them was that 1980 Boston Bruins game there the, and <laughs> like
3: yeah well, you know, I, had, I had a few with Terry O'Reilly that you know in a in a three-game span we had we had a few I had actually had a couple of good fights with Terry other than the ones that get get the most publicity but Dave Schultz and I had uh some some early battles when I was a rookie and and I finally got Schultzy in, in the 75 playoffs, and I didn't see much more of him after that. Um, those,
2: uh, those were, you know, I don't want to say they were, it was a different game. Like I, I saw some fights and you had to secure the hockey stick before you could even engage in a fight, you know. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the early, you know, when you first get into the league, what was fighting like? You know, I, it's just bizarre that you have
3: to secure the hockey stick before you can yeah. throw and play this. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, there was, uh, you know, I mean, fighting now, I mean, it's like you said, you know, a, a good fight now is considered, you know, rubbing your glove in some guy's face, you know. who 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 has Who has more pimples the next day because you rubbed harder <laughs> on the guy's face, you know. Yeah,
2: that's awesome.
3: You know, and back in those days, I mean, it was like when you fought. I mean, it was all right, all right. Fuck you, let's go. And and it was bare knuckles, and it was the referees didn't jump in. They they were worried they were going to take they were worried they were going to take a good one. It was just it was just bare knuckle brawls. I mean, line brawls and bench clearing brawls were. You know, that was okay. That was a lot of fun, you know. Um, I, re- I remember back my first uh, my first year of junior, I played junior hockey in Regina, Saskatchewan. I was uh, 17 years old. My first exhibition game, I was playing in Mooshaw, <laughs> playing in Mooshaw where I grew up, and my Regina Pats wanted me to come down and play in Regina. And I said, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough to play in the Western Canada Hockey League. You know, I was just I was playing in the uh, Saskatchewan Junior League. So we went down and watched the we watched the game, and and uh, my dad said, "What are you thinking?" I said, "You know what? I'll give it a try." You know, so I played in the exhibition game a couple of nights later. And I got in a fight with some guy in the first period. I, I guess I was getting him pretty good because some other guy jumped. Jumped in and and I beat the shit out of him, and then some other guy jumped in and I beat the shit out of him. So I got three <laughs> fights on the one shift I had my jersey, my jersey totally ripped off, and I was in the locker room. My dad came down. He goes, uh, "How you doing? You okay?" And I looked at him. I said, "I think I'm." I said, "I think I'm going to like playing in this league." <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's when the legend was born. Oh, yes,
3: yeah. it was pretty much yeah. That was pretty much it. Uh, I'll tell you what I had, I had way more fights in junior than I did in in the NHL. I guess by the time I got to the NHL, nobody wanted to wanted to piss around with me. So yeah, there was there was a few. I mean, I mean I always tell everybody too. Everybody goes, oh my God, you had this fight, that fight. You know, you and O'Reilly. You know, you beat the shit out of him. And I always I always remind everybody that that uh, I wasn't the only one throwing punches. So um i did get hit with it I did get hit with a few uh there wasn't like you went into all these fights and didn't get a few bumps and bruises but i i i must say i kind of enjoyed the fighting it wasn't like i said it wasn't my first thing i thought about when i went into a game but uh there were some games where i knew it was going to happen and uh when you're ready when you're ready it's a lot more fun than when it just happens by surprise uh so.
4: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Clark, you know, I, to add to the listeners there, you did win a Memorial cup in Regina too, but I, I don't want to, you know, paint the picture that you're just a fighter. I mean, you put the puck in the net for sure. Talk a little bit about the uh, Stanley cup, uh, you know, winning the first one and then they would go on and win, you know, four consecutive Stanley cups. Like what was that like? Like that's just unreal. Like, I don't think that'll ever happen, happen again.
3: No, it'd be very difficult with the uh, the player movement and stuff in today's game and free agency yeah. the way it is, right. But uh, it was it was pretty sweet. You know, winning that first cup was uh, obviously was pretty sweet. Uh, we didn't, you know, when the Islanders, you know, we won in nineteen eighty, which was only the only the eighth year in the history of the Islander franchise. So to get that thing that early was was pretty sweet. Um, but you know deep down it it it's such a you know you know winning at any level is is tremendous you know winning the memorial cup in 1974 as a as a young junior player you know you look at that and you say holy shit that's that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and then you get you know you get drafted into the nhl and and uh and you go well what could be better than winning the Memorial Cup? It would be obviously winning, obviously winning the Stanley Cup. And, uh, at a very young age, you know, I mean, you, you, we drafted good players. I mean, the Islanders sucked for the first three or four years. So, uh, we got, you know, you got the first round pick, first pick overall in, in 72 was Billy Harris, uh, from the Toronto Marlies. The third pick was Dennis Potvin, a uh, pretty good pick. Uh, and the fourth, Third year, they got me. I was the first-round pick, and Bill Torrey uh, stole Brian Troche in the second round that year. And, you know, you wait a couple of years, and you get a guy like Mike Bossie, and, and, you know, you just keep adding to the mix, and And Torrey made some great trades, and we really started to, you know, turn into a pretty good hockey team by 1978. And, uh, in 1978, we lost, uh, a disappointing series to the Toronto police. Um, uh, and then in 79, when we were supposed to go to the finals, we lost, Rangers. uh, we lost to the Rangers, right? Everybody, everybody remembers that. And, you know, so you get your ass kicked, you get your ass kicked a couple of times and you, uh, you kind of figure out, you know, that's, a, that's a little embarrassing. What do I have to do to win? And, uh. Kind of, we kind of took that step. I think the biggest step to us winning the Stanley Cup was uh, was that series against the Boston Bruins in 19, 1980 when uh, we finally did some of the things that we hadn't done. We got a little tougher. We we you know we stood up to the supposedly big bad Bruins, and and then the the league kind of took notice. And then we played, you know, we played the broad street bullies, you know the. The the Flyers, who also had a very tough re- reputation, we played them in the finals in '80, and and you know beat them in six games. So, which was which was absolutely tremendous. I I can't even tell you the feeling I had when Bob Nystrom scored at seven eleven in overtime, and we won the first Stanley Cup. It was like holy shit, <laughs> this is good, this is really good. You can Somebody after that the we offsides. Oh, yeah, no, God, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I played I played in the Islander Golf Party a couple of years ago. I played with four guys from Philadelphia. Before we teed off, I lined the four of them up, and I said, Do all, three, all four of you assholes still think Bobby Neister was offside. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he was offside. He was offside. <laughs> but, um, you know, winning winning the, the, that first cup was uh, beyond special. I can't even tell you. It was, uh, it was such a thrill. And then, you know, to, uh, to be able to knock that thing off, you know, three more times in a row and then ultimately lose in the finals in the fifth try. You know, it was great. It was a great five year run. Uh, it was great, great. I played 12 years with the Islanders, uh, never missed playoffs. We were competitive every year. And so it was, it was wonderful.
2: Clark, I, I'm curious, you know, you, you being the, the first power forward, it's amazing, obviously, to, to have that, uh, you know, moniker put on you. But I'm curious, you know, who, who did you think was was good at that time? Who, was, who, who did you, you know, like to play against? Who was your challenge?
3: Um, yeah, no, it's a very good question. It's uh, it's really a good question because it was so long ago I can't remember but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know so I, I you know I I my biggest challenges were not not the the toughest guys in the league that I played against sure. but um, my biggest challenges uh, as a young kid coming out of junior as a left winger you know playing against Guy Lafleur. Or Yvonne Cornway, a, you know, even, even a guy like on the Rangers, like Roger Bear. These are all guys, you know, th- that I grew up watching as a kid. You know, Bobby Clark, Bobby Clark, Billy Barber in Philadelphia. Some of the guys that I, uh, that I kind of idolized when I was growing up, and now you get on the ice and you're playing with them, and you play, excuse me, playing against them, and you have to kind of snap out of it. One of my most awestruck moments uh, was my first game in the Montreal Forum, the old Montreal Forum. Um, when we played when our first trip to Montreal, uh, Well, I went down for the pregame skate. I think we were on the ice at 10.30 and the Canadians were on at 9.30, something like that. And I got there so early, couldn't sleep. I was so, my stomach was was in such a knot. I went down and I actually sat in the stands and I watched I think Scotty Bowman was the coach at that time for the Canadians. I watched him go through this you know, this pregame skate that was amazing. And I go, Holy shit. I go, <laughs> holy go. shit. What I'm gonna do what do I have to do tonight to stop LaFleur, Cornway and and the likes of those guys? You know, LaMaire and Shot and you know, you go down the list, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was, it was, it was a challenge, and I, I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know, of course, back in those days, hooking and holding was not frowned upon. So you know, you used to latch on to if they got ahead of you, kind of latch on to them and let them take you for a ride. Steam. But oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like yeah, basically yeah, good, good way to put it. You know, do a little barefooting down the ice while these guys pull you along. I learned from the best though, Gary Darnhofer. Gary Darnhofer played in Philadelphia and he was the right winger, I was left winger. Every time I turned around to get the puck on the boards, Gary Darnhofer would just got to latch on to me. I go, "Would you get the fuck away from me?" <laughs> he goes, "He goes, "He goes, I can't catch you." He goes, "I can't catch you. so I'm just going to hold on to you." and that <laughs> to me was so strategic i was like i couldn't even get mad at the guy it was like he's definitely right so i used to use the same technique with everybody i like, got uh, the puckers come to him i wouldn't have these guys thought i was going to run them over all i wanted to do was latch on to so they couldn't go anywhere you know and uh if you did that now you'd lead the league in penalty minutes but um it's uh it was a different game back then it was it was tough it was it was hard to get going I mean guys would you know just really you know they I'm sure half of them had like you know nails on the end of their sticks and hook onto your sweater so you couldn't go anywhere but um, <laughs> and they you know the front of the net was a lot worse it was you know every time you went there you were getting stick across the back of the net the goalie was whacking your ankles and yeah it was it was a
1: tough game. It was a tough game back in the old days, I can tell you that. Yeah, just to touch on that, I mean, to be a guy that didn't wear a helmet, which is, you know, obviously gone by the wayside. I mean, I can't imagine playing the game without a helmet. I mean, you know, nowadays, if it's a high stick, that stick comes across and hits their face shield, you know, it's, it's automatic. I mean, playing without a helmet, um, you know, how many times did you just hit your head off the glass or, you know, fall and hit the ice? Is Was it uh, like – pretty brutal or what was it
3: like? You know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I I had, you know, there were a couple of times, you know, where you get kind of errant sticks come up and, you know, I didn't get, I got a couple of teeth broken. I didn't get any knocked out, but, you know, you get the odd stick that comes up, um, you know, I got a couple of errant things across (laughs) the nose and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, I, I played, I think, I think really what happened, I think a lot of guys had, uh, more respect, uh, for the guys that weren't wearing helmets because they didn't let the, you know, the sticks weren't flying around near as much. Uh, we didn't, you know, go into the corner and, you know, have, do some guy, do a face plant on some guy into the glass. I mean, that's not to say it didn't happen, but, um, it wasn't it wasn't the first thing i thought about if i you know if i saw a guy was in a you know a bit of a bit of a tough position i wasn't i wasn't going to take advantage of him i mean i was more of a shoulder to shoulder guy i don't think i i gave guys a lot of cheap shots um uh, you know concussion wise i somebody asked me one time how many concussions, uh, diagnosed or undiagnosed did you have? Undiagnosed. I go, yeah, like, how would I know? I mean, if it wasn't <laughs> diagnosed, if it, I, I had, I think I had plenty, but, uh, diagnosed, I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, my rookie, my rookie year, I'll, I always tell everybody my rookie year, we were playing in, uh, where did, where did Gretzky play, grow up? Brantford, Ontario, something like that. Yes, uh, Brantford. We were, we were playing. We, yeah, we were playing the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Our our training camp was in Peterborough, Ontario, and we drove all the way down and played the Pittsburgh Penguins in Brantford, Ontario. It was in the first period. I got the puck, came across the blue, came across the red line, put my head down, take a slap shot, and and a little guy, little stubby guy by the name of Jongi legacy hit me with a hip check. And I was, you know, I was on my knees. Right. And I crawled to what I thought was our bench. And I went to get in the door and, and crawl into the bench. And the penguins are going, you're, you're in the wrong bench son. You're next door. Uh, I was like, holy shit. I mean, talk about, talk about cuckoo. I, uh, I went in next door to our bench, sat on the bench for a couple of minutes, and it was my turn to go out. And the trainer said, "Are you okay to go?" And I got like, "I guess so," you know. <laughs> and that's that's the way they treated concussions back in those days, because that must have been a concussion. <laughs> and then I got, you know, I mean, that's so awesome. I don't know. You, you you get hit, you know, you hit guys, you get hit, and you just kind of, you know, some of the hits nowadays that they, they get to set a team ten games for back in the day that was that was just a great hit, you know? Um yeah. Scott Stevens Scott Stevens is a great one to ask about that. I mean Scott Scott Stevens would have only played about twenty games a year if, uh, if you know if he played now, you know. So yeah. So it it's uh it was a tough game. It was a tough game and a lot of things uh, happened that in these days would have been, you know, seriously frowned upon. But um, uh, you know, that was just the time and a place of uh you know, that's how we did it. Um like I said, I mean it, the the way the game is now, I mean, I only had I never had more than a hundred penalty minutes in a year. Um if I if I got the penalties I deserved back in those days I have 100, I'd have a hundred I'd have a hundred minutes in penalties in the and hooking and holding calls, for God's sake! But, yeah. <laughs> um, the
4: first ten games.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's, it's different. And uh, these players, I I I got to say, when they when they come up with the new rules, it was difficult to watch. Um, I'm sure it was even worse it was even worse for the players to have to play under those conditions. But uh, the game has gotten it's gotten quicker because of it. The guys. You know, you gotta keep your feet moving. You can't, as soon as you stop skating, you're gonna get two minutes in penalties, cause inevitably you gotta put a hand on somebody or put a stick on somebody. So the game has gotten quicker, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think for the most part it's, uh, it's been really good for the game. So I, you know, it was just different when we played. That's all. That's all you gotta, that's all you gotta really look at is that it was just an absolutely different game that, uh, was played by, you know, a bunch of big bruisers that uh got got away with not being able to skate very good, I guess. I don't
2: know. Clark, I am curious, what tree did you use for a stick?
3: What what, what kind of stick?
2: What, what tree did you guys use back then for sticks? Uh
3: when I when I first broke in when I first broke into what <laughs> when I first broke into the league
2: we used Coho. Coho.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah coho sure. coho was an awesome stick uh we had we were fortunate we had uh the co the manufacturer of coho was about his plant It was the guy that owned the sticks I'm actually still a member at my golf club he's ninety two years old guy by the name of Warren amandola he owned the franchise for coho, which was a Finnish company at that time and they were they were really without exaggerating about two blocks away from our practice rink here on long Island. Nice. So, so if I went out on the ice one day and I wanted to, you know, kind of tweak the lie or tweak the curve a little bit, I go out there, you know, take the torch out there and see what I, you know, <laughs> see what worked best. I, I come off the ice and say to the trainer, you know, this is perfect. The way this is, is perfect. I, you know, I would love to get a half a dozen of these, and he'd go, "Well, just you know, I would, I would literally cut the blade off, cut it off, and, <laughs> and on my way home, on my way home, drop it off at the Coho plant. And the next morning, on my way to pack practice, I could pick up a half a dozen sticks, wow. just the way I wanted them. Perfect. I mean, it was it was such an advantage. Because you know, if you did that, if you're playing in Minnesota, you know you'd you do what everything I did: cut the blade off, put it in a box, send it to New York, and about you know 10, 10 days to two weeks later, you get a dozen sticks. I used to get them the next day, and uh, it was it was incredible. So I used Coho for the longest time, and then and then one day uh, Mike Bossy got a half a dozen of these white Titans. I'm gone. I go, I go, boss, I go, what are those? He goes, it's a company out of, I think they were out of Montreal or something. I go, those are the sweetest looking sticks I've ever seen. And he goes, well, I got to deal with these guys. I said, I need to get a half a dozen of those, boss. I, I mean, you can't, you can't be the only, you can't be the only ones using these things. So. I, I sent one of my co-hosts, uh, to Titan and I'll never forget. I got a, we were playing in, in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. I show up, I get to Toronto, I get to the rank that night and I've got six brand new Titans, these white Titans. Um, I go, holy shit. These are sweet. <laughs> i go up i go for warm up for warm-up right i go for warm up for warm-up chico rush chico's starting the game that night that was back in the days we used to line up at the red line and you get a puck and you go in and take a slap shot or whatever and so i push the puck ahead it gets to the blue line i take a slap shot and rip it right over chico's head i like i went holy shit i like it was like a it was like a gun went off in my hand. And I'm like, holy shit, what was that? And I went over to Chico, and I said, oh, I said, Chico, I am so sorry. I said, I don't know what happened. I said, I've never shot the puck like that. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, what the hell? Was, I know. He goes, what the <laughs> hell was that? And I go, I don't know. And, and it end up in the first period. First period, I scored on a slap shot, just got over the blue line. I think I scored. A, I think Mike Palmatier was the goalie or whatever at that time, and I just drove one in the bottom, like bottom left corner or whatever. And I was like, I am a Titan guy forever. <laughs> These things were so good. Nice, good
4: stuff. I gave one.
3: I gave one to. I gave one to to Dennis Poppin to try. Dennis Poppin had one of the best wrist shots in the history of the game. I gave him one of my six to try, and. He almost killed Chico like seven times at practice. It was like, he goes, holy shit, Clarky, what are these things? I go, you got to get some of these. So before, I said, before too long, we were all using them. And uh, it was one of the best sticks ever. But um, Coho was, was, I have one. Actually, I, I have one in the garage right now. My original stick from 1975 that uh the guy that the guy that owned the company, his son had a bunch of sticks at his house, and he moved and he said, "Did' it, you know I think I have something you might like to have and it was one of the original models from back in 1975 1976 it's uh kind of a sweet stick and it was- it was sort of like it was sort of like you know I like these these composite sticks that the guys use now. that's the way the wood sticks back in we were back in those days they were just feather light and uh Man, you could really fire the puck with these things. I can tell you that.
2: Did they have any fiberglass on them at the time, or were they just straight wood?
3: Originally, were were just straight wood. Um, the cohos were all wood. the uh, The Titans, the Titans had a uh, um, a bit of fiberglass that ran along the bottom of the of the blade. I don't. I think it might have. It may have actually run right through the blade. But boy, they were they were slick. I mean, holy <laughs> shit, and and they were sharp too. I can tell you that the blade, the the end of the blade was like a razor blade. So if you <laughs> if you caught somebody the wrong way, you they were going to the uh, going to the infirmary to get uh, to get thrown up. So nice hook um, around the arm. Oh, yeah, rip your arm off for God's sake! But, uh, <laughs> I know. I was, the recep- I was the recipient of one of those. I was back-checking. I forget what team we were playing. I was back-checking a guy, and I got my head down. I got my head down trying to catch him. Next thing you know, one of these titans come up, comes under the guy's arm. It was Dennis Popham went to get the guy, and he went to pitchfork him, and it came right through and just ripped my, the left side of my cheek wide open. Oh. I like I went in. And it was it was good though because it was a very clean cut. Clean, you know, yeah. it was like <laughs> yeah, like two inches long, two inches long, ripped my cheek apart. But um, it was uh, it was a nice clean cut. The the surgeon didn't have to pull it together very nice, you know, really nicely. It was all, it was a very good cut. So, but uh, and they were heavy, and they were heavy. When you slash a guy, they didn't break. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. They did not break, so um, good stuff, good stuff.
1: Yeah. Hey, Clark, just wanted to, uh, before we let you go here, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Nassau Coliseum. Obviously, it was built, um, I think, right before you got to the uh, Islanders, and uh, yeah. they just recently, well, actually, was probably state-of-the-art back in that day, and then, you know, the Coliseum was probably one of the, I don't know, want to say not-so-nice arenas when they stopped playing there a couple years ago. <laughs> And now they've gone back to play a few games out in the Nassau Coliseum. Being from Long Island, being an Islander, how is that for the team and for the community in Long Island to be back there at the Coliseum?
3: Well, you know, as you said, back in 72, 74, when I got there, that was the nicest rink I had ever played in, I can tell you that. And, uh, um, But, you know, as with time, I mean, forty. You know, forty some years later, I mean, things do get old. So the island, you know, the islanders moving to the Barclays Center uh, while they were trying to find a new home. it was the Barclays Center was nice, but getting getting them back here, playing the, uh, you know, they they refurbished the Coliseum a little bit. I mean, it, you know, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. It, you know, look. It looks a little nicer but it's still the same old pig, you know. Um but the fans the fans love it. I mean you get, you know, fourteen and a half thousand people in there. It is so exciting to be part of a game at the old Coliseum. Not you know, forget about you know, what we did there and things like that. I mean it's a great it's a great arena to watch the game. I mean it's a bad arena to get a beer or to go to the bathroom, but you know, but it is a great, great facility to watch a game. I've seen all the drawings and, and everything of the new building that is that should be completed, uh, you know, next fall uh, at Belmont. It is going to be pretty sweet and pretty special. So I can't wait. I can't wait to get into the new building. Uh, it's going to be, I think, it's going to be a new beginning for this team. They're going to be. I think the fans are really going to support them. Uh, they've got some exciting players on the team with Barzal and and uh, the kid they got from Ottawa, Pajot. Pajot. Um Yeah, I, you know, they, they're just they're just going to be good. You know, they're going to be a good hockey team. And uh, I think you know to get into this new building and really, you know, really develop their own identity. The Coliseum is is always remembered for what we did there. So they're going to have their own building and, and create their their own identity which I think will do them all good. And uh can't wait. Uh you know like my bucket list the last the greatest last greatest thing on my bucket list is to you know drink out of the Stanley cup again and uh, yeah. the only way I'm going to do that the only way I'm going to do that is if the Elders win. So I uh I hope I hope it happens before uh I want to drink personally not posthumously. So we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Clark, one
4: more thing before we let you go. Do you want to plug in your uh, foundation, the Carter Gillies uh, Foundation, and talk a little bit about uh, what you guys do?
3: Yeah, no, I, I started that foundation about 20, 20, 22 years ago. You know, just something I I, I wanted to uh, to do something to uh, give back to the community here on Long Island. i been pretty fortunate, you know, living working playing you know having fun and uh this this whole this this Long Island area New York area has been you know been very good to me and so I I started a foundation to give back we've we've been done most of our uh most of the good work that we've done has uh, benefited the local hospital here uh children's pediatrics uh we built the Clark Gillies Pediatric Ward and then we just Finished uh, recently, more recently, the Clark Gillies Pedi- pediatric emergency department. We also give money to a, a preschool for kids with cancer, uh, school called the Morgan Center. Um, yeah, you, know, you can go on our website. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to look to get there. ClarkGillies.org, ClarkGilliesFoundation.org, and uh, see some of the things that we're doing. We have a you know big golf tournament every year that uh, we got a horse
4: up. You get a four-stroke. Oh, you do. Uh-huh. Yeah, Can we get in on it. Oh, I, I
3: must admit, I must admit, it's not really cheap, you know. But we'd love to have you guys come down. You know, we'll have to get a sponsor
1: from one of our interviewees. I keep, yeah, I keep
3: telling my board, you know, we keep raising the price. People are going to have to take out a second mortgage to play in the <laughs> tournament. But, uh, but we've we've. <laughs> We've had some very, uh, very, very strong support from the community, from my board, and, uh, we just keep going. I mean, I, I, I tell everybody I gotta be careful. I, I can't get hit by a bus or a lot of people have a responsibility <laughs> to raise a lot of money. So, um, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a thing that I, that I've taken upon myself, you know, as I said, uh, having been so fortunate to have so many great things happen to me in this community that um, you know I feel obligated to go out there and, and you know give something back to the community and and more importantly the community that I live here live in here in Huntington. So yeah. happy to happy to do it. Keeps me busy, keeps me busy, keeps me happy, keeps me in front of a lot of people. So
2: that's really cool of you, Clark. I I, I want to you know I'm sorry. I'm going to ask one more. One more question, Uh, just because I have you here. I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan, and I I just have to ask, if you don't mind, can you just explain, you know, the end of the Islanders era there? What was that wind down like, Um, you know, why why did they end up getting rid of you? Why did you go to Buffalo? For me, I'm super happy you did, I uh, said earlier, I was six years old when you came to Buffalo. I, I was watching the Sabres at that time, and uh, you know you were a, a big uh, inspiration. You know, watching you fight and stuff. I, I know that the Sabres weren't great, um, yeah, but you were uh, a large part of how I got the fire for hockey. So I'm just curious to hear, you know, how you ended up in Buffalo. Anyways,
3: yeah, it was uh, you know we want to we lost the uh, we lost to Edmonton in the fifth cup. In 84, it was as great, as great as winning was, uh, losing in that fifth cup was, it, it was just devastating. Um, I think we got a little hosed on a, on a couple of, couple of fronts. We were, we were a little injured. And then that, if you remember that year, they changed the, they changed the playoff format from, uh, two games at home, two away, one, one, one to, you know, two, three at home and two at home. And uh, we lost the first game to Edmonton and they won the next three games up in Edmonton. And we lost, we lost our fifth cup a um, couple of years, couple of years later. And, and from ever from then on till now, it went back to two, two, one, one, one. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm, I'm still <laughs> pissed off about that. Um, but you know, it was it was difficult after after having that kind of success. I mean, didn't you know? Not even from '80 80 to '84, '83, '84. We had good success before that. From '70, I mean, I, I played 12 years in the Islanders. We never missed playoffs. Yeah, and um, and we got good. We got good quick, and we were good for a very long time. And then you know you look at 85, eighty five, eighty eighty six. I didn't have the greatest year. I think I think I was just I think I was just worn out. And and I didn't have a I didn't have a lot of adrenaline going into the season and then we didn't do so hot eighty five, eighty six and then um Bill Torrey came to me uh at training camp in nineteen eighty six going into the eighty six, eighty seven season and he said you know i got i got that famous speech you know clarky uh we're going in a different direction and uh you're not going you're not going with us Uh, like it's it's the speech you you know is coming eventually you just don't know when you know and uh uh, you know i had i you know i have no you know, somebody asked me the other day, "Are you are you pissed off that you know Tory got rid of you? do not you think you should have finished your career with the Islanders?" And it's you know, it's uh, it's it's a business. I mean, you gotta you gotta make changes. Um, so so he asked me. He said, "You know, I'll I'll make sure I got I got I got picked up on waivers in the you know after a couple of weeks in the waiver draft." in in 86 he said where do you want to go and I'll, I'll find out if i can get you there i said you know what uh, i don't want to go far my wife and kids were still here i said you know buffaloes would be a good spot because i cause scotty bowen was the coach and i had a good history with scotty and uh bill said i'll see what i can do and um uh, Sure enough, he talked to Scotty, and Scotty said, "If you're putting them up," he said, "Yeah, I'd love to have them." And uh, that's how—that's basically how I ended up in Buffalo.
2: Hmm. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool.
3: We weren't—we weren't very good in in '86, '87, but uh, we sure had a lot of fun.
2: Um, <laughs> I, I saw. Well, we, we obviously mentioned uh, you get your zipper—you uh, <laughs> know—sewn shut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what oh, was it like for that, your first time in the city? And they're they're in your fucking zipper.
3: That you know, you go in, you go to another team right now. Now I'm going, going to another team. Who we used to pretty much, you know, run roughshod over. I mean, uh, yeah. Buffalo was not a was not a great obstacle when we were when we were great, <laughs> and uh, we go in there right now. I got a bunch of guys that I've been, you know, kind of beaten up on over the last 5 to 10 years and now I, they're my teammates and I don't in all honesty I wasn't even sure I was going to go to Buffalo You know, long story short it turned out to be a great place the community in Buffalo I, I loved living there I loved the people in Buffalo but I was not happy and I got I got to the arena to the Saberland. I got to Sabreland uh, a little late for practice that day I ended up getting my gear on got out to practice about halfway through and uh you know Scotty introduced me to the guys and I knew everybody they were like they were like oh glad you're on our team now you know <laughs> and uh so I went through practice I only I only caught half the practice so I stayed out at the end of the practice and I I did a little extra you know skating and stuff like that and we were leaving from the practice rink to get on the bus to go to Winnipeg so I got up there and I was rushing around a little bit I got showered, packed my shit, you know, packed all my gear, you know, went to get dressed. You know, and again I'm I'm nervous because it's my first day with the team and and I go to put my pants on and you know, you you know what it's like. You get your zipper gets flipped down and and you can't get you can't get your fingers on the zipper, right? And I go, Oh, well, I'll get this and I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm getting <laughs> I'm really getting pissed off, and I'm like, "You got to be fucking kidding me! I don't need this happen. I don't need this happening to me right now." I'm embarrassed. The guys in the room, and I look over in the in the corner, straight across the room from me, and Lindy Ruff and and uh, Craig Ramsey, uh, not Craig Ramsey. Uh, shit. Anyway, uh, Rammer and Lindy Ruff. Are looking at me and they are crying, laughing. I go, I go. What are you two assholes laughing at? <laughs> and Lindy, Lindy had taken my zipper and sewn it down so I couldn't dig it out of there. <laughs> and I said, and I looked at him. I said, touche. I said, now I feel like part of the team because that was that was something that I would do. <laughs> yeah. You know, I loved it. I loved it. I I didn't get pissed off. I said that's a great joke. That's something I would have loved to have done to a rookie when he came into the team, you know? And uh <laughs> so that kinda that kinda broke the ice and uh, you know, I was I was uh, good to go from there. So funny. That was a nice. great
2: story. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs>
1: hey <laughs> Hey Clark, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight. Really appreciate you taking some time under your evening to to talk to us and let the listeners get a little bit of perspective on the Islanders and your career and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, hopefully we can have you on a, some, some future point in the show, maybe to raz on Ron Woski or something like that. Yeah, uh,
3: we'd love fun. to. We're, I love it guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. Well, uh, I'll be, I'll look forward to listen. I'll look forward to logging in and listen to the blue line hockey club on, uh, on Saturday night. All right, man, man. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Mark. thanks guys. Thanks, guys
1: have a good night you bet all right all right boys hall of famer clark gillies on with the blue liners tonight i mean the power forward one of the first power forwarders or the first power forward in the nhl um what a great career he had with the islanders four cups back to back i mean probably never be done before Um, heart and soul the islanders and um, you know he still lives in Long Island, and uh, it looks like he's still a big part of that uh, team there. I'm sure he's active in those, uh, you know, the current organization as well. So great to have him on. Great to hear his stories. Uh, what a what a good guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. super uh, super cool guy. A, a fun fact, you know, uh, Scotty Bowman is a major reason the Pavilion uh, exists today. He was uh, one of the first guys to come to the location and raise funds. Uh, and, you know, for our listeners, that's where, you know, the guys from the Blue Line Hockey Club uh, played. That's where we grew up playing. Um, so without that rink, without Scotty Bowman, without Bill Torrey, without the St. Lawrence connections, you know, I'm not sure that we're even here talking today. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's coming full circle for, for us at least.
4: Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of Scotty Bowman up there at Pavilion, that is a good fact, but, you know, it was amazing to me to have him on here tonight. You know, just the the Islanders winning four cups back to back consecutively. Um, and him being the, a big part of that, you know, that's, um, you know, what we were saying, the Long Island Lightning Company, um, <laughs> power forward. He was the, uh, the enforcer for Trache and Bossy um, all four years, uh, captain the first year, but uh, um, yeah, I, I, it was great speaking with Clark, and I'd uh, love to get him on again.
1: Yeah, it's good to hear from these guys. You know, sometimes we get some current NHLers on. We get agents. We get, um, you know, coaches, you know, uh, scouts all realms of the game. And, you know, to I kind of like listen to the old-timers, you know, when we get guys that have been out of the game for a while, um, like the Grant Viewers and the Theo Flurries and, you know, these guys that can kind of let it rip a little more as opposed yeah. to the so the guy, the current NHL players can't really be too uh, risque when they're talking to us. So just yeah, to hear the old young, stories,
4: young and reserved. when we get these guys that are just like Theo Flurry said he's he slapped the fucking laptop right out of the coach's hand. But uh, yeah, I'm the same way, Mark. I like these older guys uh, that listen to them. You know, Theo's and they smoke cigarettes in the locker room and shit like that. That's that's kind of what we like to hear. That's kind of what we did. So uh, um, I'm with you.
1: Yeah. Very cool, man. And it just to, um, you know, we haven't really had anybody on from this uh, Islanders dynasty. I think what is there, there's only a few dynasties that they recognize, um, in the NHL. How many, let me see if I can pull that up real quick, fellas. What's that? What's the question? It's
2: got? gotta be one Bruins and you know, the Islanders, I, I, you know, just well, Montreal's the up there.
4: Montreal won the cup seven times. Show, I mean, we're talking about the original six, but, uh, uh, I would have to say the uh, um, Flyers are in there, Islanders, you know, consecutively, four consecutive, and then that fifth year going to the cup again and almost winning it five times. But unfortunately, they lost to uh, um, Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers. But, uh, um, I mean, he was a face of the uh, uh, of the Islanders when they uh, um, did all those cups. And we had, you know, last podcast we had was Mike Ruzioni the face of the miracle on ice. So um, it's pretty exciting to be able to, as Rob says, numerous times, you know, document hockey history. I mean, we get to talk to these guys and uh, um, I really appreciate it. I just uh, love talking to these guys for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, boys, we're going to have some other uh, cool guests coming up and we're going to hopefully have some hockey to uh, talk about fairly soon. I mean, we haven't really got too far on that, but, uh, be nice to get this playoff twenty four team playoff structure going. Uh, get some more hockey talk going, and uh, keep putting out some good podcasts for everybody. You guys looking forward to it?
4: Yeah, finally getting some puck. They think in August they're going to try to finish the uh, nineteen twenty season. Um, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, it's not a hundred percent. I do want to say this year when the season starts, we're joining uh, forces with the uh, website um, tarps Off Hockey just a bunch of podcasters that we just love hockey and we're all collaborating together onto one website obviously we're still going to have blue line hockey club with our guests and you know so listeners can continue with blue line hockey club but you guys will have to check out tarps off hockey there's going to be much more uh, on that website so Check them out, Tarps Off Hockey.
2: Yeah, a little bit of everything there. they got OHLers, Fantasy Hockey.
4: Women's uh, Hockey. Women's w-
2: Hockey. And WH. Yeah, we're hitting you for, from every angle on Tarps Off. So that's going to be fun, for sure.
1: All right, boys. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice.
0: See ya. Sweetos. Ha <laughs> doctor. Meow head up I see you on TV it don't change ever since we was on I dream it all ever since I was your said I won't be nothing nice not